Howdy folks. Hope you're doing well wherever you are and whatever you're doing. I have a wonderful, wonderful passage for you today. I'm going to bring to you Philemon verses 1 through 9. Philemon's only one chapter that makes it easier for us to recall what we're, what passage we went through, what are the parameters of that passage, so that you can remember what you studied. I hope this will be a blessing to you. Uh, going through it has been a blessing to me. And with no further ado, I'd like to begin with prayer. Father, I do pray that you would give me the ability to teach this passage. And Father, invigorate the gift of teaching that I might teach this well. Father, open the hearts and the minds of those listening and Father, calls your word to accomplish the purpose for which you gave it. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, and to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the full knowledge of every good thing which is in you for the sake of Christ. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, though I have much boldness in Christ to command you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake I rather plead with you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. The wonderful thing about the Word of God is the beauty the consistency. No matter where you go in the Bible, you will find perfect correspondence between its parts. You will find no flaw, no error of any kind. And I just want to make a comment on the structure of this passage before proceeding and digging into the passage. I want you to notice something. In verse 1, you will read a descriptor of Paul. Paul describes himself as something. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And if you go down to verse 9, you will also see Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. It's almost as if the passage is, and indeed it is, bookended by that phrase, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Well, this gives us some context. A prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul is imprisoned at this point. Now, there is some ambiguity as to where Paul is imprisoned at, but that's not really too terribly pertinent for us today in our discussion. But Paul's imprisoned, and the reason he's imprisoned is the will of God is for his imprisonment. There's work for Paul to do, even in a jail cell. Well, why is Paul imprisoned? He's 
imprisoned because of the will of Christ Jesus and because of the gospel of Christ Jesus. He's suffering for his Lord's sake. He is owned by his Lord, his master, Jesus the Messiah. So, Paul, writing from prison here. Well, who, who is Paul, we might ask? Paul, formerly known as Saul, was converted in his Damascus road experience. And he was commissioned by the Lord. He was trained and he was commissioned as an apostle, which means he has authority, which means he is one sent with a message, with the gospel, and with authority from on high. So you could look at Paul maybe as a master sergeant <laughs> or some other high position. He's still receiving commands from his Lord, but he has delegated authority for those under him. And that includes Philemon. We're going to find this in verse 8. Let's continue. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Timothy's Paul's brother and Philemon's brother in Christ, in Jesus Christ. He is a fellow Christian. Timothy is Paul's protege. Timothy is one who trained under Paul. Paul actually set him at, up as a pastor over the church at Ephesus. Timothy's faithful. He's a little timid, and we'll find that in the letters from Paul to Timothy when we get there. But, nevertheless, he's Paul's beloved companion on some of his missionary work. He's his friend. He was converted, probably by the preaching of Paul. But nevertheless, lest we never finish the passage, we're going to continue to Philemon. So Paul is the writer, the person who's being addressed, who's being written to, is Philemon. And listen to how he's described, our beloved brother and fellow worker. Our beloved brother. So our beloved brother in Christ, but also our fellow worker in the gospel and for Christ Jesus. And to Aphia, our sister. Now commentators think that Aphia is probably Philemon's wife, Aphia, our sister, and that is in Christ. And to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. Well, Archippus, according to commentators, is probably Philemon and Aphia's son. He's described as a fellow soldier, so he's doing battle. He's in a war for the souls of men to get the gospel to those that God has ordained would receive it. And to the church in your house, now your refers all the way back to Philemon, the one who will receive this letter. And there's a church in his house. You may be surprised to know that in the first century, sometimes they met in homes. They did not always have an elegant church building. In fact, very few actually did have elegant church buildings to attend. So sometimes the meeting place would be in houses. 
under heavy persecution, they actually met in catacombs at one time, in tombs. So we can be ever grateful for our comfy church buildings. Nevertheless, let's continue. Verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace comes before peace. Grace, the grace of God extended towards man, accepted by faith, is what brings peace with God. And then we also need grace for our daily walk with the Lord and our daily duties for the Lord. And peace is supplied while we do those works for the Lord. God our Father, if you're Christian, you can call God your Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, Christ is your Lord, your Master. He owns you. He bought you with his blood. So, this concludes the salutation. This concludes the introductory portion. So, in my outline here, I have the first three verses as your salutation. And the next couple of verses, verses 4 through 7, what we're at now, I have entitled, Thankful Prayer for Philemon. Paul is praying for Philemon. If you read through Paul's epistles, you're going to notice something. You should pick up on something, and that is that Paul has this tremendous list of people he's praying for. You're going to run into it over and over again in most of his epistles. Indeed, he was a man of prayer. So ought we to be. So, this section is entitled, Thankful Prayer for Philemon. What does Paul say? Verse 4, I thank my God, always making mention of you in my prayers. He's consistently and thankfully praying for Philemon. Because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So Paul is giving thanks to God for Philemon in prayer because of Philemon's love and faith that have manifested themselves, that, that have evidenced themselves or shown themselves in his service or in his care. So his service to the Lord and his ministry toward all the saints. One of the defining marks of a true Christian is that person, that man or woman, loves the people of God, loves other Christians. There's a special affinity and affection in the heart of a true believer toward the saints. And this is true of Philemon. And what else? Paul's not through yet. He's going to give us some more content of prayer. In fact, he's going to give us something he's interceding on the behalf of Philemon for. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the full knowledge of every good thing which is in you for the sake of Christ. So what's Paul praying for? Philemon's obedient. Philemon is faithful. Philemon has love for the saints, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's yet another thing that Philemon can do. There's another opportunity of good works that Philemon can fulfill. Paul's going to bring that out. 
very shortly here, but we'll continue. The fellowship of your faith. Fellowship. Wonderful word. So, Paul, Timothy, Philemon, Aphia, Archippus, and all the saints have fellowship one to another. You know why? Because they have brought back have been brought back into fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the gospel. What a wonderful privilege it is. What a wonderful thing it is to enjoy that fellowship with the other saints through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and through his provision of that. May become effective through the full knowledge. So I want you to know this completely, Philemon, of every good thing which is in you for the sake of Christ. So there's going to be an opportunity presented. And Paul is calling into focus, just before that opportunity is mentioned, all that Christ has done for Philemon. And we're going to see that. Let's go ahead and continue. Verse 7, For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. So this finishes out our second section in my outline. And again, that is thankful prayer for Philemon. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love. What wonderful words. Joy has been brought to Paul because of Philemon. Comfort has been brought to Paul because of Philemon. And why? What provoked this comfort, this joy? Because, and Paul answers, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. When Philemon ministered to the saints, toward all the saints in verse 5 at the end of that verse, it encouraged Paul. It blessed Paul. It did Paul good in his heart to hear of the faith expressed in love towards the saints in Philemon. So, this concludes that second section of the outline of our passage. Our final two verses, verses 8 and 9, I have entitled, Introduction to the Plea for Onesimus. Verse 8 says, Therefore, so in light of what I have just communicated to you, that links the first seven verses to verse 8 and following. Though I have much boldness in Christ to command you to do what is proper, Yet for love's sake, I rather plead with you, since I am such a person as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So, in light, verse 8, therefore, in light of what came before, what I have expressed to you, Philemon, what I have already told you, and though I have this authority and this boldness through my apostleship, having delegated authority from Christ over you. I have this boldness to command you. I could command you what I am asking of you, and we'll learn that this is Onesimus' freedom that he's going to ask for, he's going to plead for. The forgiveness of Onesimus and his freedom and his sending Onesimus back to Paul is probably what's going on to happen, what's in view here. Paul could command him to do that. 
But he's not just appealing to his apostolic authority. What does he appeal to? This is beautiful. Verse 9, yet for love's sake. I'm appealing to love, Paul says. I rather plead with you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He is enchained. He is aged. He is suffering for Christ. He could command this obedience of Philemon, but he doesn't. What does he do? He appeals to love. He appeals to Philemon's love for Paul and asks, as we will see in the next session, for the freedom of Onesimus. You see, Philemon owned Onesimus. Onesimus is a runaway slave. And in that time period, in the Roman time period, slaves were just a very common part of society. And there were different classifications or stratification of, of slaves. There were lower slaves that would wash the feet of people in the household, which their feet would be dirty from wearing sandals and traversing through that topography and that landscape. It's just the way it was. And they would come into the house and the lowest of slaves would clean the feet, wash the feet of these people, of, of their owners, if you will. There were indentured servants, if you will, and that is people that worked for a debt, to pay off a debt. They were people born into slavery. Uh, there were all different manner of classifications and situations. But it was a very real part of Roman society. Slavery was, in fact, a huge percentage, as I recall, of the Roman citizenry or citizenship were slaves. What is Paul asking? Well, we mentioned it, the freedom of Onesimus. Friends, I can't wait till we get there. I'm so excited I want to jump into verses 10 and following and just finish this epistle because it's so wonderful. I hope that you see the same treasure in this passage that I do. Now, before we conclude our session, we don't want to go away from this passage not understanding, not knowing how to apply it, not being able to say, I can apply this in thus and such a way. We want to be able to be faithful to apply Scripture. We want to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. We don't want to go look in the mirror as it were, the metaphorical mirror, as James presents it, and then go away and forget what sort of face we had. <laughs> no. We want to see God's Word. We want to understand God's Word. We want to figure out how to apply God's Word so that we're also doers of God's Word. And so, how can we apply this? How can we put this passage into practice? First, thanksgiving and intercession and prayer. Might I add consistency as well? How often do you pray? How often do you take your needs to God? How often is it the last thing that we do to pray and to seek 
the Lord's provision for us in any given matter or problem. How often are we thankful in prayer to God? How often do we thank Him for His many blessings that He's provided us with? Life, breath, strength, the ability to walk if you have it, clothes, food, the electricity in your house, the gas in your car, the job that you may have, the work that you have to do. How often do we pray and intercede for other Christians? Intercession, wonderful thing. Moses interceded on behalf of Israel, and God heeded Moses' prayer. So I hope that you'll consider with me, and I hope that you'll consider your walk and your life and examine, as I will too, how often do we do these things? And I hope that you would put together a plan or resolution to pray thankfully to the Lord, to intercede for other believers, and to do those two things consistently. Next, love and faith, as Philemon was commended for. Philemon's love and faith was evidenced by his service of the saints. Let me ask you this. When's the last time you treated someone to a hot meal in the name of the Lord? When's the last time you clothed someone? I can think of some wonderful, wonderful brothers and sisters in my life that love the Lord dearly and deeply and evidence regularly their love for him through their love for me and for those that I know and love as well. I want you to think, as I will think, how can I serve others for the Lord's sake? How can I have love and faith, be obedient, and serve as God would have me to serve? Next. Recognition of what Christ has done for us. This was actually the content of what Paul prayed for Philemon. And so, let me ask you this. When's the last time you read Ephesians 1 and saw the riches, the treasure that you have in Christ? If you are indeed Christ's own. When's the last time you considered how you have an eternal inheritance in the Lord and with the Lord, and how he has a glorious future ahead of you, and how the scripture says that eye has not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for them that love him. Well, I challenge you as I challenge myself to search our hearts and to see how often we do that and to resolve to meditate more on what God has done for us in Christ. Lastly, Paul's example of leadership. Paul, an apostle with authority from Christ, was gentle with Philemon. And though he possessed the authority, he appealed to love. Now, Paul would have been within correct parameters to command Philemon to do what he wanted him to do, what was right, and that is freeing Onesimus, forgiving Onesimus, obeying Paul's admonition. But he didn't hear. He appealed to love, and he pleaded with Philemon on the basis of love. 
this is a wonderful example of leadership from none other than the Apostle Paul. I might conclude with this. There's a word here, saints, in verse 5 at the end of the verse. There's some phrases within this passage referring to brothers and sisters, and it means brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul calls Philemon a brother. Well, how do you become a brother or a sister in Christ of Paul? How do you become a saint, quote unquote? Some of us have a medieval picture of saints in our mind as people that live such exemplary lives that they're to be put on a pedestal and to be prayed to and to be venerated in in such a manner. Friends, that simply isn't the biblical way saints are described. No, saints are not righteous in and of themselves. Saints are people that Christ has made righteous, and every believer in Christ, every true believer that is, everyone that is owned by the Lord Jesus Christ is a saint. How do you become a saint? Well, God has already acted. God the Father sent the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son. He lived a flawless, spotless, perfect life. He died a horrible death, Roman crucifixion. He was buried and rose again on the third day. All this was prophesied and was in perfect accordance with what was foretold in the scriptures. It was for our sake, each sinner individually and personally. And when he was raised from the dead, he was raised for our justification to make us right in right relationship with God. How do you access that grace? Through faith. You believe the Lord Jesus has done this in your place. You entrust your soul to the one who made you and the one who redeemed you, who bought you back. So, I thank you for your time. I'd like to conclude in prayer once more. Father, I do pray that anyone in the sound of my voice that has not trusted the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, has not repented, Father, whether they be an idol worshiper in another country, Father, whether they be an atheist, whether they have made a God out of humanism, whatever it may be, Father, whoever and wherever. Father, I know that it is your purpose to redeem, and Father, you've shown the ultimate act of love and service through the Lord Jesus Christ coming, coming a man and dying, to do that, to redeem fallen human beings. And so, Father, whomever may hear, I pray that your word would convict them of sin because they believe not on you, of the righteousness that's available in Christ. And, Father, that they may avert judgment. We thank you. We ask you to help us to apply this text for those of us that are Christians to our lives in sincerity and in pure devotion to you. In Jesus' name, amen.